Hey, this is Jeremy Isaacs, lead pastor of Generations Church, where we want to live like it matters. For more information about our church, you can visit us at g.church. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Thanks again for listening. No, it is Father's Day, so happy Father's Day to all of you that are dads. And uh, I know on a day like this, there's a lot of different emotions. Maybe it's a really special day. I think I talked about this earlier. Maybe it's a really special day and you're excited to spend time with your dad or to spend time with your kids if you are a dad in a variety of different ways that maybe you became a father in their lives. And so hopefully that's, that's something you get to experience on some level. Others of you, maybe your dad's already passed away. And so there's some bittersweet emotion connected to today. Maybe there's brokenness in relationship. And I encourage you, if it's at all possible, to pick up the phone or shoot a text or maybe write a letter or a card today, send them an email, something where you can just make that initial touch and just say, hey, I'm thankful for who you are. I'm thankful for your investment in my life. And maybe that begins to build a bridge back to restoration of relationship. But whatever got you here today, uh, I'm just thankful that you're here to celebrate Father's Day with us. And so just before I speak, you know, dads kind of get a bad rap a little bit. I mean, some of it we absolutely deserve. Some of it we just, we do. I get it. You told us to take out the trash 38 times. We forgot. The game was on. We weren't paying attention. Uh, you know, my wife says I only have two bad traits. One is that I don't listen. And I can't remember what the second one is. So, you know, but, but those are some dad jokes, right? That's not funny, but thanks for laughing anyway. So we, we put some of the guys from our church together just to tell some of those dad jokes. So right before I come, turn your attention to the screen. Let's watch some dad jokes from some of the guys at Generations Church. Good morning. My name is Garrett Snyder. I'm the communications director here at Generations Church. And my name is Carson, and I'm the youth and young adults pastor. Yes, he is. Good job. Hey, happy Father's Day. Hey, uh, Dad. The day that we're filming this is not Father's Day. We're actually at camp right now. Carson's got a nice glowing tan going on, and we're having a great time with our high schoolers. Yeah, we are. Well, we thought, uh, what better way to celebrate Father's Day than with a few good old dad jokes? Come on. It's not a dad bod. It's a father figure. <laughs> a guy tried to sell me a coffin the other day. That's the last thing I'm going to need. You're about the claustrophobic astronaut. You just needed some space. <laughs> I lost my wife's audiobook the other day. I'm oh. never going to hear the end of that one. Our cats prefer their steak. <laughs> Robert. How do you sell someone that's hard of hearing a chicken? Oh. You want to buy a chicken? I wish I was better at spelling. You mess up two letters and your whole post is urined. <laughs> you know how many meals Vin Diesel eats? Only two. Break fast and break furious. Yeah. Last night my wife asked for peace and quiet while she cooked dinner. So I turned off the smoke detector. Did you hear the story about the king that was 12 inches tall? This awful king, but he's a great ruler. <laughs> Last night I was hungry, so I picked up a kid's meal at McDonald's. His mom was so mad. <laughs> Why are koalas actually bears? They don't meet the qualifications. <laughs> You know it takes guts to be an organ donor, right? 
Last night, my wife asked me to pick up a six-pack of Sprite at the store. When I got home, I realized I picked seven up. <laughs> I'm not wearing glasses anymore. I've seen enough. I just got an award for being the most secretive person in the office. I can't tell you how much that means to me. Yesterday, I couldn't tell if the person in front of me was waving at me or the person behind me. The unfortunate news is I lost my lifeguard job. <laughs> this morning I was uh, flexing real hard with my shirt off in the mirror. And I was like, dude, I'm definitely about to get kicked out of this Ikea. <laughs> I was in a hotel and this guy couldn't remember what room he was in. I said, don't worry about it. We're in the lobby. Nice, that's helpful. You know the difference between uh, toilet paper and wallpaper? That's disgusting. <laughs> what do the movies Titanic and Sixth Sense have in common? I haven't seen them. I see dead people. <laughs> you get it? Because like the water cold? <laughs> Recently, my obese parrot died. Sorry. A huge weight off my shoulders. <laughs> I wish I was better at spelling. You just mess up a couple of letters and your whole. <laughs> I wish I was better at spelling. You mess up a couple of letters. <laughs> it's so stupid. I'm moving on. Travis, Travis is losing. Don't say that stuff. I rebuke that. Are you even recording stuff? <clears throat> this is gonna be great. It's gonna be terrible. Do you uh? <laughs> all right. All right, we're going. Should probably start touching this, right? Hey, is this working? My wife asked me to pick up a six-pack of Sprite at the store last night. When I got. And he was nailing it too until Connor started, Carson starts laughing. Connor, Carson, whichever one. Well, you know, we do get a bad rap, but those are some pretty funny jokes. And we'll send you the script, dads, if you're looking for something to tell. I, I used a couple of those on my kids. They did not think any of them were funny. But uh, several of those were hilarious. We're, uh, thanks to those guys for putting that together. Hey, welcome to you again. You've, you've been greeted a number of times, but uh, I am thankful that you're here. We never take it for granted when you choose to spend part of your Sunday with us. I, I'm thankful to be here on Father's Day. I am the proud father of four amazing kids, and, uh, and I'm thankful for my kids. I'm thankful to Corey just as we share in life together just for a, making me a father and, and allowing God to use me in the lives of my children and them to, you, to for God to use them in my life. I learn a ton of stuff from my kids 
And so I'm thankful for that. I had a, a preacher, a pastor when I was growing up who said, like, without my kids and, you know, the Bible, I wouldn't have anything to preach. So you've heard most of the stories about my kids. This past week, we got to do something really fun. We, we try to create experiences for each of our kids, that they, things they enjoy, and kind of go and do things with them to create those shared experiences. And one of them this past week was for our youngest son, Tucker. He's the third in our line of four. And so we traveled to Cooperstown, New York for a 12U baseball tournament. It's a once-in-a-lifetime kind of deal. You only get to do it when you're 12. And so uh, we've been kind of working towards that all year long. And so we went with Tucker. If you, if you know Tucker at all, Tucker's kind of a little guy. You know, there's, some, there's a lot of bigger guys on his team. We, we played, we saw some teams play. They had, they had kids 12 years old, like 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, they probably drove to the tournament. Uh, Tucker, not 6'3", or 6'4". He was pumped last night when he jumped on the scale, and it was 80.2 pounds, baby. And, uh, and so we're excited for him on that. That was a big goal. And 80 pounds was a big goal. Uh, I passed that a long time ago. But um, so we went to Cooperstown, New York. And one of, Cooper, one of Tucker's goals, his, his brother Cooper got to go when he was 12, and Cooper did not hit a home run. If you see Cooper, make sure you bring that up. But uh, one of Tucker's goals was to hit a home run at Cooperstown. And so Tucker's not a big hitter. He's more of a base hit kind of guy. But all week long, he was trying. He hit the fence like two times uh, leading into the last day that we would play. So last Monday morning in the last day of pool play, uh, he had a game that he was playing in, and he had told me before, he's like, Dad, I feel it. I ate an extra bite of French toast sticks at breakfast this morning. I think I got it. So I want to show you a quick video last Monday morning about the time you were getting to work. This was what happened in Cooperstown, New York. This is Tucker. Go ball. Go ball. Please go ball. Mom got so excited, we didn't even watch the ball go over the fence. We dropped, we dropped the phone is what we did, but man, so exciting. It was a great day. It was a great day, great excitement. My mother-in-law had flown up to be there for part of the week. She was the one right there in the pink shirt wearing a shirt that said, my son hit a home run in Cooperstown. I think she was prophesying that. I think she was in advance just declaring that truth, but it was a fun trip, and I'm excited that he got to do that, but you know, I'm, I'm thankful as a dad to try to get to create experiences for my kids. That, that's what my dad did for me. My dad's still living. I'll call him this afternoon and talk to him as I try to do on a very regular basis, almost daily in, in some uh, spans of time. But for sure today, I'll talk to him. And, and one of the things that we'll talk about, no doubt, is the U.S. Open, the golf tournament that's on today. And my dad taught me how to play golf, and I, I love to play golf, so sign up for the golf tournament. But beyond that, uh, he did teach me how to play golf. I was thinking about golf. We've got some putting greens out in the lobby today if you haven't done that. And I ran across a couple things about golf. A man came home from a round of golf looking more tired and haggard than usual. His wife asked, how was it? Bad day at the course, he responded. Fred had a heart attack on the third hole. That's terrible, she said. You're telling me, the husband replied, all day long. It was hit the ball, drag Fred. Hit the ball, drag Fred. <laughs> Golf's what you play when you're too out of shape to play baseball. All right. Uh, and a friend of Henry's died suddenly. A week later, he comes back to tell his friend how great heaven is. Henry says, you won't believe it. There's golf in heaven. That's wonderful, Henry replied. His friend said, don't be thrilled. You got a tea time next Saturday. <laughs> I'm done. That's all, that's all the jokes I got today. That's all I got. So, hey, today we're going to continue in our series we started several weeks ago called Summer Stories. 
We're spending all month long, all summer long, looking at parables from the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, these stories that Jesus used to teach us incredible truths and lessons. And so today, if you've got a Bible, I'd love for you to go with me to Luke chapter 15. Luke 15 is one of the most famous chapters of the Gospels in that it tells three stories. All of them have a very similar theme. It's about lost things. There's a lost sheep, there's a lost coin, and there's a lost son. And so each of these three stories tell us something about the character and nature of God the Father. The lost sheep, it says that he would leave 99 to go and find one who was lost. The lost coin, this woman had a, had a, a set of coins and she lost one. And so she tore apart the house trying to find this one lost coin. And when she finds it, she stops and has a party and invites the neighbors to come and to celebrate what was lost has now been found. And then we come to this, this third story of Luke chapter 15. It's often referred to as the story of the prodigal son. And this is a, a story of a lost son. So I want us to read beginning in verse 11. We'll spend some time uh, in a few verses at a time. This is what we read beginning in verse 11 of Luke chapter 15. To illustrate the point further. So we've already heard these other two stories. Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. So pause there for just a second and, and recognize that as this story is often referred to as the prodigal son... The word prodigal simply means wasteful. This story is really a story, and it's going to highlight the relationship between these two sons and their father. So remember, as we've set up this summer stories series, we're looking at stories that Jesus would tell along the way to illustrate larger truths. And so we, we got the lost sheep, that there's, there's no amount of people that could be together that God wouldn't also be longing for the one that's not with them. The lost coin, we're going to celebrate. We're going to have a party for even the one thing that was lost being found. And here we see this story and the illustration of the father's relationship to son, son's relationship to father. And so this idea of prodigal means wasteful. What this son did is he came to his dad and he said, hey, I want my share. Now, as you, you understand Jewish law, two-thirds of the father's estate would have been passed down to his firstborn son, leaving a third to be divided between the remaining male siblings. So as the firstborn, you got two-thirds because you used your portion to continue to provide for the rest of the family once the father passed away. And so this son, as he's coming, he, the younger son, he would not have been uh, kind of had the right to the two-thirds of the estate. He would have had the right to one-third of or his portion of one-third of the father's estate. And so he comes to his dad and he says, hey, I want what's coming to me. Well, inheritance came at the end of the life of the father. So what this son was actually saying to his dad is, you're as good to dead as dead to me. Like, all I want from you is what you can give to me. I don't want relationship anymore. I don't want to spend time with you anymore. I want whatever you can give me. And that's all I want. And so he's saying to his dad, hey, you're, you're dead to me. I don't want anything else. I just want the blessings and what I can receive from you, maybe as a dad, if you're in the room, maybe it feels like your kids want to do that sometimes. Not you're dead to me, but hey, just give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. But it is an interesting dynamic here as we recognize the response of the father. He doesn't argue. He doesn't push back. He just gives to his son what he has requested. And I recognize, I don't want to put too much here in the story, but I recognize as a dad as I'm reading this, that there is a tension to be managed here. More than the problem to be solved, it's more of a tension to be managed as a dad, as a parent, even if you're not a parent in the room, maybe you recognize this tension of trying to create an environment for our children, for children that are coming after us, those coming kind of in the next generation beyond us, to give them space to explore. Now, we've got to create the guardrails. We've got to create the boundaries. We've got to make sure we create kind of safe environments. 
But while my kids are in my house, that is the time for me to help them recognize that they explore, they try to work things out, they try to problem solve, they try to understand how to live life. Because if I don't create that kind of environment and context in my home, then they will be ill-equipped to do that when they get out of my home. So within the guardrails, within the boundaries of what I create as this safe environment, kind of operating in the direction of a pursuit of a relationship with God, I've got to give my kids space to try to flesh some things out on their own. If I only give them what's mine, then eventually they're going to decide I want what's mine and they will no longer hold what's mine. Does that make sense what I'm saying? So you've got to recognize that we've got to create that kind of environment. I remember a number of years ago, I was in a small group, Corey and I were, with another couple. Their kids were a little older than us and... This mom said to us in the conversation that we were having that night about parenting, she said, you know, the interesting dynamic is that everything, just about everything I've ever learned about God, I learned through my own mistakes. I learned through my own trials. I learned through kind of having to navigate my way back to God and try to determine, you know, who God was in my own life. And she said, what I've tried to do as a parent is try to get my kids to avoid all of those things, but I don't, I want them to learn all the lessons without, without having all of the pain. And there is this tension be managed. I'm not saying it's a foregone conclusion. They're going to end up just like you. I'm not saying that they're going to kind of walk through all of these various terrible things that we're trying to keep and protect them from. But I am saying that we should make our house a grace place. We should make our home a place where they can explore and determine what it is that they believe and how they find God on their own. We're going to come back to that in just a moment. Keep reading in verse 13. A few days later, this younger son packed up all his belongings and he moved to a distant land and there he wasted all his money in wild living. So having said all that I just said, the boy decides he wants to leave his house. I remember doing that when I was about five. I packed up everything that I owned, all my baseball cards and all my stuff in a blanket and I wrapped them all up and I decided that I was going, but I told my mom and you know, she followed me right down to the end of the street. And then I turned around and said, all right, let's go back home. That's all I wanted to do. I just wanted to kind of see how big the world was, right? And I got all the way to the stop sign, but this boy decided he was going to leave. He took all of his belongings. He was severing all ties with the father's house. Sometimes kids leave. And some of you have navigated that kind of situation in your own family. Your kids have walked away from you. They've made decisions that took them farther away from you than you ever intended, ever imagined. And I recognize that's a pain that you carry even to this day. And I'm so sorry for that. But I also recognize for all of us that what we're intending to do is to invest in, to pour into, to plant seeds in the hearts of our children so that if they walk away, they know that they can come back home. Students, let me just speak to you for a second if you're in the room. I know... I know that sometimes it seems like mom and dad are just always raining on your parade. They're always saying no. That's their favorite word. Their favorite word is no. No, you can't, right? But let me just say to you that God's given your mom, your dad, your grandmas and grandpas and aunts and uncles, those that kind of have some authority over your life. They, God's given them an important job. He's given them a hard job. And there are times when they say no to you and you don't understand it. But what the Bible promises is that, is that if you submit to your mom and dad, if you obey your mom and dad, that there's a promise that God will honor in your life and you recognize to the best of your ability that unless they're leading you away from God, like that God is using them to help to forge some things in you that may be needed at some point in your life. This young man, he's trying to feel some things out. He didn't want to follow his dad's rules. He wanted to make his own rules up. And it was fun out there until it wasn't fun anymore. Let's keep reading verse 14. About that time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the men... The man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. I promise you, eventually it runs out. Good times run out. Fun times run out when we are running away from the security of home and the relationship 
with the father. The music stops, the booze quits flowing, the high wears off, the friends disappear. In his attempt to find himself, the son actually ended up losing himself. And he finds himself out there with no bearing. He doesn't really know what he's supposed to do and where he's supposed to go. And that is true for all of us. That will eventually take place. When we leave God out of our lives and choose to do things our own way instead of his, enjoyment will eventually become enslavement. We will see all kinds of things, addiction and fear and worry and anxiety and depression and debt and anything else as we try to do things our own way. There's a quote that I've heard most of my adult life. I don't know who to credit it to because it's credited to a lot of different people. So I'm just going to say I didn't make it up. Okay, just trust me there. Sin will take you farther than you want to go, cost you more than you want to pay, and keep you longer than you want to stay. Isn't that true in all of our lives? We've seen that, those patterns of sinful behavior. And what I would say to all of us is if we recognize that on the front end, it will keep us from a lot of pain on the back end. So to try to make ends meet, he took this job feeding pigs. Pigs were considered unclean in Jewish law. So as Jesus is telling this story, he's saying to them, it got so bad that he was betraying the core of who he was. He was willing to engage in something that was so disrespectful to the Jewish belief system. No self-respecting Jew would have been caught dead around pigs. And now he's kind of lusting after the food of pigs as he's, as he's trying to figure out how to navigate feeding these pigs. And how did I get to this place? Verse 17, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. He realized that living his life his way would never get him where he wanted to be. He recognized that the distant country wasn't where he belonged, and he belonged back at home with, with his father. The presence of sin in all of our lives causes our identity to become skewed. There's a, there's a great battle about identity and understanding the various nature of who you are. But I, I would say a lot of that comes when we wander away from the security of the Father, the relationship with the Father. And that's what takes place here in the story that Jesus is telling. In this case, by shame, he says, I, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And let me just say to you a reminder that I think we all know intuitively, but sometimes shame and guilt and sin leads us down a path where we're willing to give those things up. You and I don't get to revoke our right as son and daughter. That's not something that we get to do. Sin tries to make us believe that we can. Sin tries to, to, to make us think that we have the ability to give up our sonship or being a daughter of the father. We do not get to do that. And so anytime you hear that kind of doubt creep into your mind, you recognize that as a lie from the enemy because that is not something that you and I have the right to do. And so what you have here in this story is where initially he told his father, give me, give me, give me what is mine. He's now practicing a speech to come back to the father, begging him to take me. Take me back. Would you just take me back into relationship? Verse 20, so he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming and filled with compassion. He ran to his son. He embraced him and he kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. The father is always looking for us, anxiously awaiting our return, even when we feel like we're too far away. The father is always looking. And he ran to his son. He ran to his son. This is an important part of the story that Jesus is telling. Because Jewish men didn't run anywhere. They didn't run for a lot of reasons. One, they would have had to pull up their tunic, which would have exposed their bare legs, which was something they didn't do in that culture. 
It would have been undignified. It would have been something that, that these men would not have done. And so to say that a father ran after his son, ran to his son, even a son who would betray him, even a son that would say to him, you're as good as dead to me. I only want what you can give to me. He was trying to convey something about the father, that he's filled with love and compassion. He's filled with action. And that this son who, this son who, who could have actually been stoned to death actually received the protection of the father immediately. Think about it. The son was sitting out in the field. He was sitting out there with the pigs. He was trying to dream about this thing that he would say to his dad when he got there. Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Take me as one of your hired servants. He's practiced this speech over and over in the field. He's practiced this speech all the way on the road as he comes back home. And if you read what we just read, he didn't even get to finish his speech before his dad runs to him and cuts him off. He can't even say, take me as one of your hired servants servants before the dad provides protection and grace and mercy to his son. Moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas, aunts and uncles in the room today, older generation looking at the younger generations, can I just challenge all of us, and I put myself at the front of the line, we need to run to our kids. We need to run to the next generation. We need to say to them, hey, you are worthy of love and compassion and grace and mercy, even if you feel like you don't deserve it. No matter what you've done, no matter the lies of the enemy, no matter how far you think you've gotten, you aren't too far away. And that we will provide protection and grace and love and acceptance for you. It is our responsibility to do so. John Maxwell once said that young people flock to the oldest person who takes them seriously. I would say that this church is filled with a lot of older people who take some of our younger people seriously, but we need more. We need you not to look down and to talk down. We don't need you to patronize. We, we need you to invest in them. We need you to ask them questions and listen with your heart to their answers and help to guide them in the ways of truth. It is our responsibility. If we're going to be Generations Church, we must first possess our faith and then pass it on to the next generation. Young people flock to the oldest person that takes them seriously. It is not our job to be hard on our kids. The world is hard enough on them already. It is our job to let our kids know that they are never so far gone that they can't come home. That is our responsibility. The heart of the father being exposed here, we must run to our children. Let's keep reading. Verse 22, but his father said to his servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger, sandals for his feet, and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast, for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now is found. So the party began. Before the son could even make the request, the father welcomed him home, not as a servant, but as a son. The father gave him a few things. The robe signified honor. The ring signified authority. The shoes signified sonship. Everything that the son was longing for in the distant country, he actually found back at home. He was looking for clothes and jewelry and friends and celebration and love and acceptance and assurance of the future. And he received all of those things at home. That's our responsibility. We begin to wrap up this story, verse 25, and we flip to another character. And while we don't like to identify ourselves here, maybe you see some of yourself. Verse 25, meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother's back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We're celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out, begged him, but he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. 
And all that time, you never even gave me one young goat for a feast with, his, with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. Story transitions here to a whole different mindset. Not a son who was longing to get away, but a son who assumed, I've been here the whole time and I deserve more than this son of yours. He didn't even call him his brother. This son of yours that you've welcomed back home. While this younger son's off blowing your inheritance, I've been here working, slaving for you, working in the fields, protecting you, taking care of you. And so when the younger son's identity is characterized by shame, this older son's identity is characterized by pride. How many of us can sit easily in judgment of others thinking, oh, they've, they've gone off in a far distant country and squandered all that they had and they've made bad decisions and poor decisions, but I've been here as the righteous one the entire time. I think pride is that thing that creeps in on all of us that we're not so quick to admit, but it's just as damning to this story. It's just, it, it breeds so much guilt in this story that both of these sons are guilty of different things. He wouldn't even go in the, inside the house even when dad was begging him to do so. He wouldn't even acknowledge his brother. It was the son of yours. There's a brokenness of relationships that exists here. And that's what pride does. Pride makes us think we deserve something that other people don't deserve. We receive the grace of God. We want the grace of God. We deserve the grace of God. But those people are probably too far gone. God loves us. We're right. We've been right all along. We are right on all of these issues. But those people on the other side of the issue, they're just, that's what pride does to us. It becomes an us versus them mentality. And it breaks the heart of the father, but he continues to come to that son as well with grace. This is what it says in verse 31 as we conclude. His father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day. For your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now is found. Everything I have is yours. Honor, authority, sonship. All the things that we just bestowed back upon your brother, you've always had it. What, what are you so upset about? Unlike the younger son, the older son was as close as he could get to his father. But he had bought into the lie that so many of us have bought into, that proximity equals intimacy. And I remind all of us that proximity doesn't automatically equal intimacy. You can live in the same house with someone and not have that kind of relationship. You can come to church and attend just about every time the doors are open. You can serve on the G team. You can be in a G group. You can give every single time we take up an offering of any kind. You can have been here since we opened the doors almost 10 and a half years ago, and you can still lack intimacy with the Father because proximity doesn't automatically offer that. You have to seek it out. You have to live in that and rest in that. All the good things are a byproduct of relationship, not just the relationship itself, but they come out of relationship and not just proximity. So just to conclude today, here's what I want to do. I want to show both of these sons side by side. And perhaps you would see yourself in one or both of these columns. The younger son, rebellion, kept him from being in right relationship with his father. The older son, religion, kept him from being in right relationship with his father. The younger son, it was physical distance that took him away from his father. The older son, it was really an emotional distance that kept him from his father. The younger son, it was his sinful behavior that chose to live life his own way, and he sought to erase his sonship that way. But for the older son, it was his sinful attitude and simply going through the motions and checking all the boxes that he tried to earn his sonship. For the younger son, he forfeited his rights as a son out of negligence. The older son kind of forsook. He, 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 he didn't take advantage of the rights that were always there out of ignorance. 
The younger son misused his inheritance. The older son misunderstood his inheritance. I think for all of us, we probably find ourselves in both columns, but maybe in one of these areas, you find yourself in a place where you can say, hey, this story that Jesus is telling, this is part of my story. Part of my story. Both of these sons had tried to do things their own way, and ultimately that got in the way. Whether it's outright rebellion or it's just outright religion, they weren't actually in relationship with the father. But what we see in the father is we actually see a third son. We see the son of God telling this story, Jesus. And what he says to all of us is there's something you need to know about my father that's portrayed in the story of this father. That you cannot get too far away or you can't just be in the room and forfeit your right to be in relationship. The father runs to you. The father begs and compels you to come in and to be in the house. That you and I are sons and daughters of God. And so I would conclude it this way. If you're a mom or a dad, grandma, grandpa, aunt, uncle, it is our responsibility to reflect the heart of the father to the sons and daughters that are before us. Those that have run off. Those that are trying to do it their own way. They want their inheritance. They want to figure out what it looks like to live on their own. It's our job to continue searching, to continue looking. And in the moment where we see just the slightest opening, to run to them with grace and love and compassion because it reflects the heart of the Father. That's our job. But it's also our job to look around us and see in the house and in the field and around us those that, that feel like it's the, the boxes that they're checking off. They're doing all the things. They're, they're reading the soap guide and they're serving and they're giving. And, and we see those things begin to take root in their life that maybe we've also experienced that pride and sense of religion that they can earn sonship. No, no, no. It's freely given. You, you can't revoke it or claim it for yourself. It is given to us by the Father. Help, help them to walk out that relationship. Follow me as I follow Christ. It's our responsibility, sons and daughters, as moms and dads, to these sons and daughters. Let's create a grace place in our home. It's not easy. Our kids are going to do things we don't agree with. Our kids are going to say things we don't agree with. And I'm not saying that's okay. I'm just saying, like, that's okay. We should extend to them the same love that maybe we received and for sure that we hope to receive. We should extend to them the same grace and mercy that... Perhaps we receive, but for sure we want to receive to reflect the heart of the Father. This, this third son in the story. That's our job. And if you are the prodigal today, your prodigal son, your prodigal dad, your prodigal mom, if you're the prodigal and you feel like, hey, I've, I've gone off and I've squandered a lot, I've made some horrible mistakes. I find myself today in a circumstance and a situation that I never would have dreamed of. Let me say to you with all of the confidence that I have in the Father, you aren't too far gone. His grace extends to you. His love is enough for you. There is forgiveness for you. And this is a place that you can belong as you work it out. As you seek it out, you don't have to come all the way back home by yourself. You just turn your heart back to the Father 
and he runs to you. If you're the prideful, religious, sometimes arrogant, it's do me, it's owed to me, I'm right, they are wrong. You didn't do anything for, I've earned all of this. I've worked for all of this. Can I say to you, we are just as guilty. My dad was my pastor growing up. And he used to tell this story every time he would come to a moment just like this. He said he remembers being in a service one Sunday night where he was preaching at a church. And he said at the end of the service, the pastor asked, hey, is there anybody that's got a testimony? So a guy stood up, and he walked up, and he was starting to tell the story. He said, last Sunday night, I came to this church. He said, I was unclean and unshaven. I hadn't showered in probably three weeks. I was wearing the same set of clothes I'd probably worn for six months. I was down on my luck, but I was walking by and just decided to stop in. He said, I came in. The end of the service, the altars were open. I came down for prayer and I knelt down and I prayed. The Lord gloriously saved me. He said some of the men of the church came and they had prayed with me and asked the Lord to do a work in my heart and my life. He said, I left church. The next morning I got up. I went and got a haircut. I got a shave. I went and bought some new clothes. They helped me to find a job. He said, I came back this morning to church. Somebody gave me a visitor card. They didn't even recognize me. And my dad tells the story. He said, I was thinking about that guy talking about walking into a church. He said, I had two thoughts. One, thank God he was welcomed into that church. Some churches wouldn't welcome people that look like that, smell like that. Lord, let this be a place where anybody can come. But the second thought that my dad said that he had is he said, I I just thought, well, praise God. That's not what I look like the day the Lord found me. And he said, there was a check in my heart as soon as I said it in my spirit. And the Lord said, you may not have looked like that on the outside, but you were just as dirty on the inside. Maybe you and I have convinced ourselves that we weren't that bad. That our sin wasn't as egregious. But can I say to all of us, we were all guilty. And but for the grace of God, the love of God, the forgiveness of God, the mercy of God, we were all headed to the same eternity apart from the Father. Except for his love expressed to us. On this Father's Day, my hope is that wherever you find yourself in this story, this incredible story from the third son, Jesus, as he reveals so much about his father, would be how we try to parent and grandparent and aunt and uncle our kids. And it would remind all of us the truth, that we are not too far gone. And not to allow pride to get in the way, but to receive the love and compassion of the Father. I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. If you would say to me today, Jeremy, for me, I feel like I've walked too far away. I'm not in a relationship with God. Maybe I was at some point, but I'm not right now. And I need to ask him to forgive my sins and to be the Lord of my life. I need that forgiveness and that love and that mercy that you're talking about. If that's you, would you just lift your hand right where you're at? We want to pray for you. Thank you so much. You can put it right down. Anybody else? Now, if you'd say to me, Jeremy, for me, I, I'm, I'm that older brother. I, I got pride in my heart and my life sometimes, and I really want the Lord to help that. Forgive me of that. Remove that from my heart. I, I don't want to be a prideful, arrogant person. If that's you, would you just lift your hand? I know that's hard to do. Thank you so much. 
Thank you so much for so many hands today. And now lastly, we don't normally have three or four different responses, but if you'd say, hey, I'm a mom or a dad, I'm a grandma, grandpa, I'm some part of that older generation, and I want to be the kind of older influence on the next generation that reveals the love of the Father to them. If if that's you, would you just lift your hand? So many hands today. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for all that you've done. We thank you for our times of worship and prayer. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the story of the prodigal son from the third son telling this story about his dad. And God, I pray for every hand that was lifted today from prodigals that said, I've I've wandered off. I've tried to do things my own way. God, would they receive your forgiveness right now, your love, your mercy, your grace. God, we thank you. We celebrate with heaven now for the decisions that were made. God, we pray for those that lifted their hands to say, I've got some pride in my life. I'm, I'm more like that older brother. I, I think there's some things due me and owed to me. I've, I've checked all the boxes. I've done all the right things. God, help us to be reminded that we don't earn sonship. God, we thank you that you help to remove pride from our heart and replace it with more of your character and nature. And God, I pray right now for every hand that was lifted of the older generation that says, I want to create grace places for those who are coming after me. I want to reflect the heart of the Father in their lives. God, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If today's message was an encouragement to you, we invite you to share it with your friends and family. Maybe subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It just helps us spread the word about what God's doing here at Generations Church. For more information about the church, visit us at g.church. Have a great day, and God bless.